Acting is my life, but I also have people in my life. I feel in order to be a good actor, you have to have a life, your own. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Algott. And I'm your other co-host, AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 221, we have part two of my chat with veteran actress Ellen Crawford. In part two, Ellen dives deeper into the choices we all face as artists, what it takes to keep on working. Hint, hint, you have to want it. And she reminds us all that at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. It's one of those life lessons types of interviews, and you don't want to miss it. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro. Yep, Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors, is coming in just a few short months. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices, and do a whole lot more from the comfort of your iPhone or iPad, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the new, the great new features coming in the next version of Rehearsal. Rehearsal Pro, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. Reserve your soon-to-be-released copy of Rehearsal Pro right now at rehearsal.pro slash IAP. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Trev, I'm so excited to catch up this week. I know you have some really cool, I don't know if you call it news, but you have a, a cool thing to talk about. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about something that actually happened last week, but um, we haven't had a chance to sort of announce it uh, publicly on the podcast. But uh, Gadali, our uh, marketing web director, somehow managed to find a switch that we have been unable to find. I keep thinking that it's one of those like old timey, like, uh, you know, Dr. Frankenstein flip the switch and then lightning happens and our archives come to life. Um, so we've been for literally probably years. I was going to say months, but it's probably been years trying to figure out how to get our archives functioning in our feed. Because a lot of longtime listeners and even new listeners who want to sort of go back and discover the old episodes and the old interviews have said, hey, for some reason, I can't listen to episodes 30 something through 90 something. And we were like, shrug. We we had no idea. And we tried to figure it out uh, time and time again. We reached out to other people who have podcasts. And I don't know. Gadali's got some magic touch. He, he just happened to go in there and flip this switch and... By some miracle, we now have the archives. It's like a, it's like it is. It's like a miracle. They're all they're all there. All two hundred plus episodes. You can go back and listen to episode one uh, through one hundred or whatever you want to listen to. 
And I don't know. It's it's brilliant. I went back and listened to a couple of our archived episodes, and it was very cool. And it's it's still good stuff. It's the content's awesome. So I, I'm I'm excited for people to uh, discover that for the first time or rediscover it if they've been listening to the podcast for a long time. Yeah, very stoked to be offering that to our listeners because it's been a that's probably been the question we've gotten more often than anything else over the years. It's like, how can I listen to your your older episodes? So uh, yeah, have at it. Hope you enjoy. Hope it's not too terribly embarrassing because that was a long time ago in a different <laughs> life. It feels like that we recorded a lot of that stuff. Oh, it's 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 all about growth and evolution. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about what your news from this week. Be, uh, mostly because you are so excited. You like messaged me right after you left, and we're like, "Dude, we got to talk about this." So when I saw it in the outline, I was like, "Yes." Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I had the opportunity to go see. Uh, well, not go see, go attend Michael Kostroff's Audition Psych 101 workshop this past week. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Michael Kostroff is a very accomplished TV and stage actor. He's a musical theater guy. He, he works all the time and he's developed this this sort of one night workshop that just is directed at, 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 uh, at helping actors getting their heads right around the audition thing. And I, I've talked about this a little bit on the show. I hate, I hate auditioning. That's why we try to call it meeting, like whenever we remember to, because it's like the word audition just makes me kind of cringe. And I always just, I always seem to like have a, a subpar experience with auditions. It's like my least favorite part of everything of life. Uh, and this workshop had so many little golden nuggets that just changed the game, changed the head game of it. And the biggest golden nugget I could share on here in the podcast is this. Statistically, you're not getting the fucking part. So stop worrying about it. <laughs> and everything, wow. that, that, that's like the first thing he says in the workshop and everything builds on top of that. Anyway, I took copious notes. I took just a buttload of notes. And then Michael, after the workshop, emailed everybody his, his um, sort of like highlights from the, from the workshop that he thought it'd be supportive for us to remember. So I don't want to like give away the farm because I want everybody to be able to experience his workshop. I think it's extremely powerful to go there uh, and do it yourself. And he does it all over the country, right? In major cities, Dude, so like you yeah. said, in Chicago and New York and LA. So th- there's a chance he may coming, maybe coming to a city near you. <laughs> yeah, all over the country. Uh, so uh, check out auditionpsych101.com. Um, and you can uh, sign up for his mailing list and find out when the next one is coming. And I'm also going to take uh, some of the notes that I took and put them in the membership for our members to check out because some of them were just really golden nuggets. Like I said, I don't want to give away the farm um, because I believe the real value is in attending the workshop yourself. So uh, I'll post some of my highlights in the membership and then hopefully um, we'll get a lot of our, our members over there uh, or out to his next workshop. And then, uh, of course, we're going to get him on the podcast. I want to talk to the man himself and share that wisdom with our listeners via uh, a podcast episode or two. So look forward to that coming up very soon. He and I have been emailing and I think we're going to probably have him on the show within the next month or two. Nice. Before we jump into our listener question section, we, of course, need to hear from our sponsor, VOTogogo.com, you know, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. You've heard of these guys. Visit VOTogogo.com slash start 
for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. So our question this week comes from Matt. He writes in from New Orleans, and he says he's been involved in film for several years, but mostly behind the camera, primarily as a director and or as an editor. He said he did some acting for a friend of his recently and really loved it. And now he's caught the bug. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, Matt. So he feels drawn to uh, that aspect of filmmaking. And his question is very basic, but also um, deceptively basic. His question is, do, do we have any suggestions on the best way to learn how to act? He plans to take classes because that seems like the obvious course of action, he says, but he wanted to know if there was anything else that maybe he, he was missing that, that we could sort of pass on. Um, so, wow. Do we have any suggestions on the best way to learn how to act? Wow. Well, there's so many different angles to come at this. Um, including what is it that you want to do? Because it sounds like he caught the bug while he was in front of the camera. But does that also mean you all you does that mean you also want to do, you know, stage work? There's so much to I mean, you know, Trevor teaches week long weekend long seminars on voiceover, which is another form of acting. So it's, it, you know, nailing down what it is that you're interested in, of course, is important, just so you can place your focus there, not that you're only going to be able to do that or do that for your entire life. <clears throat> and yes, classes, 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 classes. You know, we, I, I still come back to James Dumont's quote of your only job as an actor is to get better. And you do that by, you know, what Amir Talai said, which is working. And if you can't, if you're not going to go out and audition, <laughs> As Michael, I'm just quoting all these guests or future guests. You know, I love what you said, Trevor, about from Michael Kostra's workshop. Like, statistically, you're not going to book it. So, if you're just starting out, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for you to be out auditioning. In fact, that you, that could really hurt you. You could shoot yourself on the foot by having your first impression in the room be uh, a, a bad. You leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. You're like, oh, he or she was not a very good actor. So I don't think that the experience should come, at least at first, from the audition room. So classes, 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 more classes, and then also just consuming, like reading books. Like take the top, what, what some people would say like would be the top five books. On, I mean, I, I don't know what those books would be. Maybe, maybe you know, uh, Sandy Meisner's book, uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Intent to Live, maybe an Uta Hagen, maybe Stanislavski, like educate yourself on the history of this, this uh, art form. And maybe in that something will speak to you. There, there's, a, there's a consumption aspect, right? Filling the well with the, with the education, the books, the reading, the film watching other actors on film and going to see plays. And then there's the practice or pragmatic aspect, which means getting up on your feet. And that I think is the best, the best way to learn. But if you're super, uh, what they call green, that might not necessarily be the best place to start just being thrown into the deep end. 
it would be really easy to develop bad habits that way, I would say. Mm. That's about as brief as I could possibly make <laughs> that, that answer, <laughs> considering how nuts that, that, uh, that answer could be. Mm, yeah. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on this one, Trev? Well, I, I, everything you said, I love. Filling the well was a, a, word, a phrase you used, and that's a that's a nod to the artist way, Julie mm-hmm. Cameronism, and, and I love that. I think that's really true. I would also recommend "Steal Like a, How to Steal Like an Artist," or no, it's just "Steal Like an Artist" by Austin Kleon, because the the idea is that like the more that you expose yourself to all these different things it may seem like oh god i have to watch films i have to read plays i have to watch plays i have to re read scripts i have to uh do all these things it's like information overload but really what you're doing is finding out what you like in those things and then assembling your voice by sort of borrowing or or even outright stealing um, the things that you like, and then eventually your unique voice emerges. So I think that's huge. But I have to say this, when I first started uh, on this journey and I came to LA, my my idea was, and I think I've said this in the show before, my idea was that acting was complicated and complex and and there was a lot to it. And there were a lot of you know philosophies and approaches and, and you had to sort of create your toolbox and maintain your toolbox and, and really get in there and, and, um, you know, figure out what your method was and your process. And it was always this, you know, evolving thing. And it was just sort of complicated and that, you know, marketing (laughs) was easy. You just sort of did good work and let people know about it via whatever social media thing was sort of in at the moment. And you sent out postcards and stuff and whatever, you just, you just put the word out that you were doing stuff and people would just sort of check it out. And now, you know, years into the journey, <laughs> I, I flip that around. Now it's like the marketing is actually the most complicated part because there's so much noise out there. <laughs> you know, there's so much noise. And what it comes down to is you have to be a good actor. And how do you be a good actor? To me, that has become the simplest thing. And really, it comes down to be in the moment and listen to what the other person is saying to you. And how does that make you feel? And then respond based on that. And I think that that is, that is it. That's really all it is. Respond based on that. Um, and actually, gosh, talk about a great episode for this question because Michael, some of Michael Kostroff's stuff in Audition Psych 101 speaks directly to this. Like, how do I take the nerves that I'm feeling or, you know, the sadness that I'm feeling because my cat died or the excitement I'm feeling because my girlfriend or boyfriend, um, you know, is we're going to be getting married next month or whatever it is. How do I take that into the audition room and not try to, not try to sort of fight it off to be in the scene, but how can I actually fold that into my work as, as a human being? So, but it all comes down to what am I feeling and how do I bring that to this, to this world, to this scene? And what is the other person giving me and how do I react to that mm. in the context of the story? And that's it. it and that is actually an extremely simple concept which is tougher to do, but it's, it's, a, it's a muscle. You know, the more you practice it, the better you get. So like you said, AJ, get in class and, and get on stage and just practice, 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 and you'll start to get more comfortable in your body and you'll start to be more present. And, and the other reason this is a great episode for this question is because Ellen Crawford speaks directly to this. I mean, yeah, last episode, I was just... she talked so much about, you know, looking around an audition waiting room and seeing so many people with their faces and their cell phones. And, and I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, like grizzled guy here, 
but I have to say, man, like I see a lot of people disconnected from the world because of the, you know, the, the Twitters and the space faces and the my books and the whatever, right? I like how you're like, I don't, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon. And then you and then I do. And I, yeah. <laughs> but the, but you know, like really how much value is that stuff adding to, to the journey? And, and, you know, I, I'm using that app that I cited last week, uh, forest to sort of train myself to not be in my phone as much. And it's, there's, there's really very little life experience to be, uh, gleaned, especially as an artist from your cell phone, from the internet. It is all about other people and the world and taking walks in nature and really, creating the space for yourself to feel the texture of life. And that's where the most brilliant work is going to come from, not from like a, a snarky text message conversation with your best friend from high school. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying that that's not valuable. I'm just saying it's like, let's, let's sort of, let's t- pay attention to how much value we get from that and how much value we could get from other things. And because I think 90% of the stuff on the internet is just, is just kind of time wasting crap. It feels good and it feels urgent, but it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's my take. I'm sure that other people would love to argue uh, an op- opposing viewpoint and awesome, you know, to each their own. But um, try it, I guess is what I'm saying. So there's 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 that piece from from, you know, you said it, it, this is a great episode for this question, not only because of what Michael Kostroff said, but there's that piece, the, t- the technology piece, if you will, from from the first part of Ellen's interview. And in this part, she talks about something else that you brought up, which is the, uh, the sort of tortured artist, <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, you know, she talks about like the amount of consternation that occurs when people are going into the room or, or working on something. And, you know, uh, anyway, I don't want to give it away, but this is a, a great episode for this question, um, both in the interview and um, with some of the things that we're experiencing in life right now and in the workshop you just attended. You'll see. I don't want to give it away. Should well, we just actually... Let's, let's just, just give it away. Into, yeah. Let's just give we it just away. Go, let's just give it away. Let's, <laughs> let's just go into the interview. What am I, what, why am I even... Why am I, this is like, this is the segue and I'm ignoring the fact that it's a segue. So here we go, guys. Part two of Ellen's interview. Enjoy and we'll catch you on the other side. said something up you spoke briefly about self-promotion and i get that the technology itself has changed but i'm wondering as someone who because you know you said you failed you quote unquote failed miserably at becoming a star (laughs) but you but you work all the time and you've had a consistent body of work and i think that for most for most actors I think for most people, like we're just, we just want to work and we want to create art and we want to share our art and we want to tell stories. And, um, you know, I have always said that 
I don't necessarily want to be a star or a celebrity or what have you. I just want to work consistently as an actor and have that be what uh, fuels me creatively and financially. That would be awesome. And so you've you've done that. So as far as I'm concerned, you're living the dream. Thanks. Well, I <laughs> actually, as far as I'm concerned, I am too. Because I have to say, <laughs> not that I would pass up uh, being, you know, having. Um, a series or, or all of a sudden my film career is, you know, uh, I, I would, I would mind, I'm not saying I, I would turn up my nose at, at, you know, at any of that. It's not that I reject that. It's just that it has been important to me all this time to keep working. That's been mm. the most important thing to me. And I've maybe sometimes made choices that had more to do with my life, uh, what I want to do with my life in general, with uh, then, because as you said, it's 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 acting is my life, but I also have people in my life, and I also you know, in order I feel in order to be a good actor, you have to have a life your own, <laughs> in my personal opinion. So um, so I've made some kind of I've made choices in my life, and you know, I think this is true probably everybody who's spent a life. Um, as an actor, is that there are things that you passed up that you go to you. I wonder what would have happened if I would have taken that show that I later found out was opposite Christopher Walken and Irene Worth and went to Broadway. But <laughs> but then you go, but if I had done that, I wouldn't have taken this path and I maybe wouldn't have. I mean, I, I've had, um, I just celebrated my 33rd anniversary with my husband, Mike Genovese. Um, congratulations been, thank you we've been hanging out together for 38 years and um, and you know I don't know that I would be as happy and I'm not I, I'm, I don't I doubt that I could be happier than I am in my life just as a human being uh, so you know, uh, you think about those things, those roots you didn't take, and you go, yeah, but then you wouldn't have had this delightful experience that right. led to this amazing experience, you know. So I think that it, it's always a danger to say, ooh, what would have happened if I, you know. Yeah. Because I think you follow the path you follow. And, um, you know, I mean, then I sometimes think, well, yeah, there's this star thing, but do people really know too much about who Mrs. Patrick Campbell is these days? No, because she was in another century. But did she have a happy life? That you know, I mean, yeah. it's that it's that sort of thing. And and I'm not. I don't mean to backpedal anyone who has that drive. I think is great, and to try. There is something with the the. The stronger your career is, the better your choices. Frequently of projects, um, no doubt about that. Yeah. Challenging, and that's great when it happens. But I'm not going to beat myself up about it. And I think some people tend to, and mm. that makes for a very unhappy life. So that if you can just keep your eye on the work, sometimes things just happen. Yeah. I mean, I heard Blythe Danner speak the other night, and she does, didn't really plan on... She just went job to job, kind of like I did, with, you know, obviously uh, uh, more celebrity success. But it's uh, that's why she's so charming, is she just and so good. Um because she, I saw her do, um, well, besides the, her Nina and Seagull, which was on television when I was young, which I thought was fantastic. And then 
I, I saw her do Twelfth Night uh, at Lincoln Center, and she was just brilliant. And I, every time I see her, she's lovely, but you sense that she's a complete person mm. and that she's doing it because she enjoys the work. Yeah. And, you know, doing it for all the right reasons. And that has, I think, catapulted her into um, where she is because of who she is. Yeah, so uh, in terms of... I guess you know where what I was curious to hear from someone who has worked as consistently as you are. You know, you mentioned, and like I said, you mentioned the self promotion thing, and that's that's a part of it. Sure, we we all get to to do that mm-hmm. as the CEO and and publicist of our own you know careers. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what you see. And you may have just, you know, given away one one of the big answers, just being happy. But I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering what you see as uh, the the keys to that type of consistent work or success or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, obviously the technology has changed in terms of self promotion, mm-hmm. but what do you see as being, you know, a few of the keys to to Continuing to work, constantly working, like work going, um, not necessarily going from job to job, but keeping yourself or putting yourself into the position where, you know, you're, you're, you're just working consistently as an actor. And yeah, you sure you got quote unquote lucky when you were young and we should be annoyed with you or, but (laughs) you know, you could have fizzled out too. Like it happens all the time. People hit, you know, get great success right, right away. And then. And then things, you know, fizzle out for whatever reason. Either they're not a very good person, or they weren't talented to begin with, and it was like their fifteen minutes of fame. And you know, for, so for someone who has worked as consistently and as long as you have, I'm sure there's a lot of people, myself included, our listeners, who would love to know like what you see as um, the keys to that. Well, you have to want it first of all. I mean, it may not even be that the person isn't talented or isn't didn't do a good job, they may just not want it enough. I have to... Mm. uh, I always say that, you know, because I have parents come to me alternately either um, thrilled to have their child, pushing their child into uh, a performance career or terrified because they want to do it. And I just tell them, you can just take that off your shoulder because it doesn't matter what you want or don't want. It matters what they want. And I will tell you, if they are meant to be an actor... You will not be able to stop them. And if they are not meant to be an actor, you cannot force them into that life. Mm. And uh, I remember meeting an actor when I was working in Arena Stage, actually. Uh, um, and he had been a child actor in, in England. And I think he told me he, like, as a child, threw himself down the stairs so he wouldn't be so pretty, so he wouldn't have to act anymore. Now, later in life, he chose to be an actor, was a terrific actor. But I think it's that. It, I truly believe that if you don't, if you aren't compelled to do it, if you aren't obsessed enough to have to be an actor, honestly, then do it for fun and do it in community theater, you know, enjoy yourself. But as a business, if you commit yourself to that art and that's what you're going to make of your life, and this is probably true of any art form. It's not easy, particularly now since... 
they keep slashing away at the uh, NEA and any sort of funding for the arts, and they've decided Especially the only, in the United States, the only right. important thing is math and science. And if you talk to any mathematician or scientist, they will tell you how important the arts are in developing creativity in the brain. So that completely washes out with any sort of data if anybody really looks carefully enough. Mm-hmm. The arts are crucial for the development of any human being. Yeah any sort of creativity, including math and science. So I'd like to say that to all of our listeners. (laughs) But um, it is crucial that you have to do it. And I think that was, I was a hard worker. I have always been a hard worker. And I I approach every project, um, every project differently, I think. Um, techniques and research and all varies from project to project as as the need arises. But I really do try to to uh, go into it um, very thoroughly. And I think part of the reason why I'm an actor is because I I love being a perpetual student. And each project I learn. Right now, I'm working on. My husband and I are about to do outside Mullingar at San Diego Repertory Theater. Uh, in January, February, and um, so you know you're doing the the Ireland research and all that, and you're doing the dialect research, and you're you know reading books and listening to to trips around Mullingar, and you know, <laughs> um, but it's also just trying to get a sense of of Irish history, even when we're reading Angela's Ashes. But it's that sort of thing. I love delving in, doing a deep dive in whatever I'm going to do. Obviously, if you do a, t- a television gig, it's going to be a little different if you're doing a guest star and you got one thing, you've got a certain finite amount of time you can devote yourself to it. Yeah. Mostly it's going to be about hitting your marks and, and, and saying your words. But at the same time, there's that kind of analysis in your head that goes on. And again, getting to know people, looking at the show, getting feel for the tone of the show. So each job is, I think, a new um, adventure for me. And I think that also helps um, a consistent career because every, everything is a new adventure to you. And I'll tell you, uh, certainly I've had those times when, when work slowed down and it's kind of terrifying. I mean, every time I'd be out of work, particularly when I was younger, because I that was something that happened because I worked so consistently. All of a sudden I was out of work for a couple of months and I was like, oh, I didn't know what to do. Am mm. I ever going to work again? And it's that knowing, yes, you will work again. And by the way, while you aren't working, uh, stay in touch with those people you have worked with. And, and I mean, Michael and I uh, are constantly doing readings of new plays or new uh, films or 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 being brought places to do plays in various theaters, including New York, because we have stayed in touch as artists with other artists. And, and they'll say, oh, why don't you come do this? And so it's that thing of keeping alive and keeping that network going with each other. Um, occasionally you might create content for yourself. I mean, not everyone does that, but I think it's, it's certainly a great way to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, if you want to take a stab at writing, do that. Uh, certainly, I don't um, say that writers don't have the same. I mean, <laughs> there's always the danger of the writers who have studied and studied and and honed their craft, and then somebody goes, ah, "I think I'll write something," and I know that can be 
probably frustrating for someone who spent their every day of their life <laughs> trying to become a better writer. But um, there's also, I think I found this with directing, though my focus was on acting, that I was surprised at how much I knew. Because you work with a lot of directors, and because, frankly, and I think you'll relate to this occasionally, you do have to be your own director. Yeah. Um, so, but I think just keeping alive in all those areas, and and it doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, performance-related. It can be being the student of anything, but it just keeps you alive and moving forward and, and just knowing that something else will be out there, and if it isn't, you make something for yourself. You know, you you work on uh, you work on work on your monologues or work on reading more uh, plays or watching more films or whatever you can. Yeah, know? yeah. That that's Does that, that makes sense. Totally. Okay. Yeah. It's just about it's just about you know you whether you're getting paid for it or not. You, there is a way of constantly working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it takes discipline, but also I love that you said it takes hunger. It takes, like, wanting it. Um, I'm feeling, you know, what in a way it was a bit of a selfish question because I'm, I'm feeling like the jobs keep coming, but they keep coming, like, a year or more apart, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, am I supposed to be doing this? Because every time this happened, it happens, I make good money for a while and I'm acting and I'm so happy and then it goes away for a long time mm. and then it comes back and I'm like okay what's you know, what's the message here well um, and looking for work is a full-time job it is absolutely yeah. there's no question looking for work is a full-time job and if the more proactive you are in that way I will tell you I've never been afraid of equity EPAs equity principal auditions mm. I and people have said oh nobody ever gets hired and you know what I came to town and I went to an EPA for the Amundsen for a production picnic, which was pretty much an all-star production picnic. Um, and um, Marshall Mason was directing, and you know, um, and I just went to get my <laughs> to get my ass off the couch, basically. Yeah. But also, why not? It's an opportunity. Yeah. And I auditioned for uh, the production stage manager who said, oh, Marshall should really meet you. And I mean, I kind of knew that in New York, you kind of didn't meet Marshall till about your fourth or fifth callback sometimes. And so I met him and, and uh, I mean, I was just doing a monologue and he wound up <laughs> adding a character <laughs> to the cast. He added a school teacher because it was pretty much already cast. It was cast. But he added, um, I just saw Beth Grant last night, as a matter of fact, who was one of the teachers. Um, and he added a school teacher named Olive and just decided he would like divide up the lines with one more teacher. And uh, that played, um, we played in Detroit before we came to the Amundsen, and then we did a Showtime special. Wow. So an EPA showing up, just signing yeah. your name on the little line. Uh, and that's happened to me. I mean... When things are slow, sometimes I go, well, get get your butt out and do something. And I'll shy, I'll show up for for like an open audition. This has happened, um, well, it happened at the colony. And they knew me, but I, I showed up for a, an open call. And they went, what are you doing here? I said, getting my ass off the couch. And, <laughs> and then you, but then sometimes it works. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, 
they might not eat. I mean, you can send, we send postcards and things like that. Yeah. But when they actually see you and you're like, here it is, you know, and you make them laugh or you make them cry or whatever you do, it's it's more memorable. And you feel good because you got out and you, whether you get something or not, it's it, it's good to perform. It's good to actually put yourself in that position to perform. Yeah. And whatever, when I first came to LA, it's like, oh, well, it's different. You can't do anything for yourself out here. I was like, no, I can't. And Michael and I were both like that. No, we can. And we would get out and we would audition. And uh, consequently, you know, more does happen. You can do things for yourself as much as, I mean, beyond just the promotion on on, on social media. You can get out and audition as yeah. much as possible. I love that. I love I and thank thankfully thank goodness I had a uh, a voice teacher in while I was in New York who who had the same sort of philosophy she was like you know you could go go to the EP go to the open calls because you know it's what did she used to say it's 2 minutes in a room with a free pianist <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. there you go. So it's just like, oh, you, you're working on this 16 bar cut, this 32 bar cut. Yeah. Guess what? I got a free pianist for yeah. you. And they're always amazing. And, too. and they're amazing. <laughs> you got a free accompanist, and and there's the people on the other side of the table. And you know, the show is some you know totally legit show, and you're singing some pop rock stuff, or vice versa. Like it's a it's a it's some yeah. pop rock yeah. show, and you go in there with you know some super legit, um, you know, song. So uh, I I just. I love that. It's, 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 uh, you know, we had, I don't know if it was a guest or a friend of mine who said once, um, you know, I have, oh, it was, uh, it was both my friend, Emily, who was a guest on the show who said, you know, I have a play, um, on the Sony lot this afternoon. It's at 1135. <laughs> There's two people in the audience. Um, <laughs> and I'm doing a play. Yeah. Um, I haven't met my co-star yet. <laughs> <laughs> the reader, right? So it was just like this lovely way of 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 looking at it. Um, that that is part of you know what that is part of working consistently and having having as much fun as possible. I've realized you know the more consternation, the less effective you can be, frankly. Mm. And so the more tortured you are, it's not going to help. I mean, you can play a tortured character. I'm not saying you shouldn't go for it and go into those depths, and that can be really. Exciting mm-hmm. as, as when Michael and I did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh both in San God. Diego and LA here. And, uh, and people said, How could you do that play with your husband? I mean, how could you come home? And I said, It's like having really good sex with your husband. <laughs> I mean, how, the, the writing doesn't get better, the, the characters don't get richer. Yeah. And, and I also, we firmly believe that you cannot spend three hours with those people, which it actually is if you go at a clip. It's three hours. Yeah. Uh, it's a beast. We didn't feel that you could or should spend three hours with a couple that doesn't actually love each other very deeply. I mean, if it doesn't come from that, there's no point in doing that play. Right. Um, well, it's also not as um, tra- It's not as dramatic if they don't. If no, no, and you love. don't. I mean, it's hard enough to spend all that time in the living room. That you have to have a fascination and kind of... Yeah love them in a weird way to wonder what's going to happen. So, but you know, so I'm not saying you can't, I don't enjoy playing (laughs) those kinds of deep moments, but it's, it's the thrill of that adventure that you have to keep living. And if any time you're up against a, a decision, well, I can only speak for myself. I've found myself a few times in a, when I was up against a feeling of, 
of uh, where I didn't feel challenged or, and this is going to sound really whiny, appreciated uh, in a way that uh, I should say valued because things are shifting. Uh, and sometimes it's true, you, you don't have the same function. But it, it, when you find yourself in a, a different situation where you don't, you don't serve the same valuable function and you're not as challenged artistically, sometimes you have to make a decision to step away and ask yourself why you're doing this instead of what might be a much easier way to make a living. Mm. And then, um, you know, like I say, make another choice for a while. And and something else it may still be waiting for you there, and you can go back when it's fresh. But I think that's uh, sometimes the choice needs to be about money, and sometimes it doesn't. If you have, you know, certainly if you have family responsibilities, sometimes that's the number one thing, and that's where your focus has to be. Yeah. Um, And then other times you have the luxury of saying. Well, I might not make a ton of money, but I think I want to go do this for a while because it'll be better for me. Yeah. And ultimately, in that case, if you don't desperately need the money, better for your family because you're a better person. You're a happy person. Yeah. A more fulfilled person. So it's it's so individual, but I think you really have to be honest with yourself about where you are, what you're doing, and ask yourself if you're happy. That's <laughs> really really basic and mundane but you know it's but it's true it's so true um so we have two questions that we always end and you may have heard because you were listening to this in some episodes but we have two questions that we end all of our interviews with Mm -hmm. um and the first one is do you believe that this career chose you or you chose it both i don't i don't see a i don't it's pretty symbiotic. I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, you could say you were meant to do this, but you also have to embrace what you're meant to do, right? So uh, I, I'm very fortunate that I didn't fight it. <laughs> and that I, frankly, that I also, although it can be helpful if people oppose you and you say, I'm going to do it anyway, but I had a very, a very supportive family and friends. But I think it's both. I think that... Really, with the arts, you're meant to do it or not. But I also think then you have to choose it because you want to. And see, there are a lot of ways in which... Let's see, or I go on and on. It should be a short answer, right? Like blue or 45. But I have a, a girlfriend who really, when we were 16, had a dramatic soprano voice. She grew up in a farm, and when she would sing, it would echo off the next barn and the next farm. She had extraordinary voice, and, and she first went into, uh, was a vocal major, and could have had, I think, a very strong opera career. It's not what she wanted to do. She had that gift, but instead she has been involved in um, developing microeconomies in war-torn areas all over the world. And uh, her favorite spot right now being Liberia. Um, wow. She kind of had to leave because of that outbreak but she um she's doing such worthwhile work it doesn't mean she doesn't she lives in poland right now it doesn't mean she doesn't still go up in the hills and sing polish songs with guys who live up there and stuff i mean uh she still sings but she found something more she wanted to do and Mm. so 
I, I think it's a combination. You, you, can, you can say in a way she was meant to do that, to sing, because she was given that gift. But I won't begrudge her saying, I don't want to make that all my life is about. And uh, consequently, she's, she's doing brilliant work and has truly made uh, a difference. Which you can with the arts as well, but she's chosen to go a different route. So both. That should have been my just initial answer, no, right? I love both. It. <laughs> it, was, it was an awesome anecdote. You know, she, she had the, what did you say? She had the talent. She had that talent. But she didn't want to do that. Oh, it's that. I think that's going to land big time with. Uh, I mean, it certainly did with me, but I think it'll land with a lot of our listeners. Um, and the second question is, um, and this will be fascinating because it's been such a awesome ride for you. <laughs> but if you could boil down all of your experiences and all the things that you've learned, being the perpetual student that you are, into one nugget of advice what would that piece of advice be? Pay attention. See what's going on around you and engage. Live. Really, truly live. And then whatever you do, whether it be creative as an artist or creative as a person, success will follow. Wow. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. I don't think anyone's ever said the words pay attention as a response to that question. That was, ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking that one with me for sure. Um, so if people want to find out more about you, uh, I know you made you you know made the self-deprecating joke about failing miserably at Twitter earlier, but yeah. uh, how can people find out more? Do you have a website? Do you have a... This is, this is the em- really, truly embarrassing part. This is all the stuff that I should be doing when ah, I'm not doing committee be. work. Um, but I, 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 I really, truly... Um, I mean, actually, if you Google my name, you'll see a bunch of stuff. <laughs> So Google, got it. Google Done. Ellen Crawford. Google, I'm IMDb. there. Yeah, yeah, Done. I'm there. And uh, you know, I mean, IMDb. I'm even on IBDB. And yeah, uh, and because um, I played the world's oldest living nun when I was like in my late twenties on Broadway. <laughs> um, and um, and. Yeah, so just, uh, yeah, and I, I promise if anybody's interested, I'm going to try and get more stuff up there. And, <laughs> oh, gee, you caught me. You got L- you no, it's, me. No, listen, it's not. Look, there See, are, I'm going, there are take so Take charge of your life. It's like, well, no, I don't have that, and I don't have that. Yeah, but come on. That. There's a lot of people. There's, 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 for, for every one person like you who's working all the time and doesn't have a website, there's a hundred actors who have websites and aren't working. So <laughs> don't. You, it's still you, not, thank you, you for def- trying to make an excuse. You definitely but. get a pass on on that one. Oh, um, but thank you so much. This has been just lovely. Thank you for your generosity and doing it twice, <laughs> inviting the podcast and our listeners into your home, and uh, and for sharing your your journey with us. It's been delightful. Well, thank you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hope you uh, enjoyed part two, the final part of AJ's chat with Ellen Crawford. I know I sure as hell did. Just, you can't, you can't argue with wisdom and experience. 
<laughs> you, know? you you can. It's it's probably going to uh, not end well for blue, you. <laughs> make you blue in the face. Yeah. Well, and there's certain things. There's certain things that can only come from experience. You know, and and I just it's one of the things that makes me. I've said this before on the podcast. It's one of the things that makes me so grateful for the podcast is that I feel like you and I have had a chance to hit the fast forward button a little bit, not a lot, a little bit because there's still no replacement for actually living it. But it helps uh, hit that fast forward button a little bit to hear uh, about the wins and trials of, of someone who, you know, has been there, done that. Before we move on to the picks of the week, I did want to mention that uh, Ellen is very involved with the union, with SAG-AFTRA. And that's sort of how the interview came about because she knows Ben Whitehair and uh, Jen Levin from that work. There is a whole portion of this interview that where we just talk about union stuff, and I didn't want to not, I didn't want our listeners to not have access to that content. But I also was, I, I when I was editing the interview, I had to cut it for time. So there's about a 12 uh, or 13 minute segment of this interview where she talks a lot about the the work that she's doing with the union and the work that the union is doing in general that is just fantastic and uh we wanted to to, to give it its own sort of context so um we're going to be putting it up on our youtube channel and uh and you can go and and listen to it there we'll post links to uh to social media but also it'll probably be in the show notes for for this episode so some supplemental content for you guys out there go check that out it's 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 really great stuff all right yeah link in the show notes fantastic uh so your pick of the week is very deserving uh because i saw it too Tell us oh about did you find this. did you get a chance to see it i sure did man yeah yeah i was wondering uh if, if you had yet so trevor and i you know we, we always kind of you know i don't want to say bums us out but but whenever we do a pick of the week that is geolocation specific it's kind of like man i wish somebody could I wish as many people of our listeners could could see this as possible. But if you're in Los Angeles and they just came from New York, uh, go see Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey at um, the Kirk Douglas Theater in Culver City. Like I said, it was in New York. It played off-Broadway twice in two different places, and now it's in L.A. So maybe it will travel to uh, another theater city, theater town like Chicago or or something like that. If you're unable to see it, I would say that the, the thing that I took away from it it's just like my pick of the week from last week, how easy it could be to put together a piece of art something that speaks to you. This, this show is not based on a true story, but the writer, it's a one-man show, and the, and the writer-performer gets asked all the time if it is based on a true story because it's, it's, it's not just ripped from the headlines. It's ripped from, like, his heart, like – something that interested him and he just got it down on paper and probably worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And it's a great, it's, it's only 75 minutes long and it's this great little nugget of hope. The it's interesting how it's actually, it actually covers a, 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 a pretty sad topic, but it's so the, the angle that he takes on it is so hopeful and, just like last week with my pick of the week, I just want to you know, encourage people to find a way to tell your story. 
last week it was a bunch of guys probably <laughs> they were probably sitting around and they probably were high trevor when they came up with that idea <laughs> or drinking or something and they were like hey we like improv let's do this like weird meta podcast this week it's like this beautiful one-man show piece of art that you know uh, once again the story just uh, i believe spoke to james lacine who's the performer um, but there's a link to the website of the play so you can track it and in, in, in the show notes so you can track it and, and, and maybe it will come, it will tour somewhere near you uh, at some point. But hopefully it'll also inspire you to, to, you know, do something similar, I guess. Uh, yeah, absolutebrightnessplay.com link in the show notes to our uh, on our uh, episode. So my uh, pick of the week is uh, is a film that's up for several SAG-AFTRA awards. It's called Beasts of No Nation. It's on Netflix. Like, let me just say this. I, I won't talk about it much because it's it's a very difficult film to watch. But it didn't feel like I was watching a film. It felt like I was there. I was just in there and none of these people were actors. And it was just living an awful situation that's real. And I, I fantastic. Uh, you know, Idris Elba is is um, sort of the lead actor in it, and the the, couple, the child actors in it are fantastic, and it, it is a real triumph of filmmaking, and it's on Netflix. Check it out, Beasts of No Nation. Yeah, we have a, a, a listener pick from Ryan, or one of our members, Ryan Quinn Adams, and I am dying to see this um, this documentary. It's actually, I found it on YouTube. It aired on Discovery recently, but now it's also on YouTube. It's called Racing Extinction, and Ryan says that it is one of the most inspiring and thought-provoking documentaries he's seen in a long time. He watched it with his wife and children, and he said his nine-year-old son cried. His 12-year-old daughter, who is an animal lover and constant UNICEF contributor, was devastated. More than the emotion, it let them open up a dialogue together as a family. And he said he asked the question, do, do I want to be a person who sits idly by, hoping someone else makes a difference? Or do I want to be at the front lines of making a difference and forcing change myself? And the first thing they're doing as a family is they've decided to start eating clean and reducing their meat consumption and meat intake by 50% for now with plans to, to ramp that up. So Racing Extinction is a documentary that uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but it's kind of like a heist movie meets a documentary about environmental degradation. I get the feeling it's not an easy film to watch. I went to the website and checked out some clips and it, it looks like, you know, there's, you're going to be confronted with some of the abuse that, that humans um, exact on the planet and other species and themselves. And it's, it's hard to watch, but the truth is the truth and you're better off knowing it than not. So check it out. RacingExtinction.com. I'm going to watch it on YouTube this week for sure. Yeah. I, I, I loved the trailer. It, it, it does remind me, you know, while it is a dire situation, it does remind me of uh, an inconvenient truth uh, where, you know, Al Gore did his best to present the facts and then talk about what we can do and that there is hope and, and you know, all of that. Uh, I liked from the from the trailer and even from what Ryan said that, you know, that they, they talk about, you know, you may not be able to one person probably isn't going to be able to save the world, but doesn't mean you can't do something. And mm -hmm. I, and I, and I, I just, I really love that because it's, it, it would be so easy for us as, as humans to just throw our hands up. Like there's nothing we're going to do. We've, we've fucked up the planet so much. It's, it's a done deal. I'm just gonna, you know, drive my Humvee and 
you know, eat burgers every day or right, whatever, right. as opposed to, you know, I know I'm just one person, but I'm going to ride my bike to work every day mm-hmm. or take public transit every day. And that's the impact that I'm going to yeah. make. Or, you know, I was a vegetarian for six years for, for this exact reason. Like I wanted to do something, something. So anyway, uh, I, I love that when there's a message of, of hope. You know? Yeah, and one of the uh, one of the people in the film in the, in the trailer says uh, it's better to light one candle rather than curse the darkness, and I think that's a great way to look at it. And you know, other people are lighting candles, and when you find each other, you start to create some some absolute brightness. How about that? Oh, way to bring it around, yeah. brother! <laughs> absolute brightness, beasts of no nation, and racing extinction. The three picks of the week uh, this week. This episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, A.J. Meyer, and of course, Trevor Alget. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. And as we mentioned last week, we're looking for our next director of public relations. So if you have experience in this area or are interested in learning more and would like to join the IAP team, we're pretty cool, I gotta say. Send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. Trevor Algat, of course, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. And you can also find us on iTunes, where your reviews are hugely appreciated. Special thanks, of course, goes to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and Neotogogo.com. And especially to our listeners, you guys. If you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and support the continued production of the podcast, you can sign up as a monthly member. Get cool perks like access to our membership message board where we're posting lots of great stuff and it continues to grow and get better. Cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, and much, much more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that's it for episode 221 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, engage and live. Really live.